De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell, and today we're going to talk about the collaboration of RevTech and buying group marketing. Joining us is Joe McNeil, who is the Chief Revenue Officer of Influ2, which is a person-based advertising platform for B2B companies that is purpose-built for B2B marketers who want to amplify their enterprise reach and revenue. And today, Joe and I are going to discuss synergies between RevTech and buying group marketing. Okay, here's my conversation with Joe McNeil, the Chief Revenue Officer at Influ2. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Doug. It's wonderful to be here. Well, it's good to have you. I have to say, RevTech is certainly a topic we spend a lot of time on here on the podcast. And I think this is a really interesting concept, but let's level set for the audience today. Buying group marketing has a bunch of different names. I would call it maybe demand unit marketing. I would think that Forrester would call it B2B revenue waterfall. Joe, talk to me about what buying group marketing is exactly. Yeah, quite simply, buying group marketing is targeting your marketing efforts to the personas and people within an account that matter most to your organization. Okay. And so this is a necessity when we're thinking about, let's say, account-based motions, this idea of understanding, recognizing, targeting these buying groups. It's really the core of what's a very popular go-to-market strategy these days, and that's the account-based. Correct. Correct. And account-based marketing you know, was sort of first out of the concept to be more strategic than opportunistic and really focus on your high-level target accounts. But as we, especially us in the sales in the sales world, know that people make decisions on buying software, not necessarily businesses. So as we look, you know, to the future where organizations need to be more and more efficient with their commercial spend and their commercial targeting, being able to target specifically the people that matter most to your company becomes more and more important. And then obviously this is kind of a key to understanding technology and technology supporting role, but Let's dig a little bit into why demand units are the core of an account-based approach. And I think, Joe, you mentioned this, and I agree. You don't sell to brands. You don't sell to abstract ideas, in other words, companies. You're selling to people. And those people, especially when it comes to B2B SaaS and buying software, people are making decisions based on a problem or a need in the business. But also, they've made a decision that software is going to fill that gap. And typically, if you're buying software, unless it's something like, I don't know, I'm going to go with Calendly, something that's about an individual's ability to be more efficient, you're talking about more than one person. And in other words, teams of people that have to make those decisions. And when we're thinking about that, then so we're thinking about that buying group. What are some of the essences of a buying group that you would point to and say, these are things to think about? And I'm thinking about economic buyer and influencers. Are those things that you also recommend that clients are thinking about? 
when they're talking about getting this part of the world right when it comes to account-based. Correct, because you know there's multiple influencers and decision makers within a purchase. And depending on the persona and where they sit on the org chart, their success criteria or business value they're going to get from the software differs a bit. So as you market and sell to those individuals, you need to craft your message and your business value to what's important to them. You know, the economic buyer, maybe they're focused on the big OKRs like revenue generation and and hitting goals. You know, the day-to-day influencers, they're focused on what does this do to my day-to-day? How does this help me and my team? And is this something that's going to make my life easier or more difficult? And then on the procurement side, like, is this compliant? Is this legal? Is this going to put us into a better position from our, you know, how we work with our data or, or not? So I think from all of those angles, you need to make sure that, that you're making everybody comfortable with saying, yes, this is a no-brainer. This will help us move forward. And with the buying groups, I think, you know, this has really been a part of our nomenclature, our meaning revenue leaders for a really long time, right? We've become nuanced enough to understand that we're not talking to the person that's showing up on a lead reg form. There's more to the team. And you just talked about some of the architecture of that team. That concept is clear, but quite often the gap between being able to connect with and understand and message to those folks is the technology piece. So what do you see most often, Joe, as gaps in terms of what are the technology pieces that your customers tend to be missing when they're thinking about being able to market to these groups? Yeah, so especially on the advertising front, most of the technologies are focused on the account the IP, and then maybe cookied individuals, right? And so how that works is is a lot of times you need to water down your message to be more horizontal than you want it to be and speak to sort of the entire organization. And then you have no idea if that message is landing with the right people or if the engagement you're getting is from outside the buying group. So I think advertising specifically, there's that piece. And then, you know, if you can target them in certain ways, you know, there, there's challenges with cookies and then there's individual platforms where you can target them, but it becomes a bit more difficult from a reach standpoint and efficiency standpoint to set that up with all of your target accounts. And Joe, you're mentioning something that's come up quite a bit as well. And I think those are excellent points, but it is this, you know, demise of the cookie and, you know, juggling what's remaining in terms of first and third party data. How are your clients dealing with that gap at this point? What, what tools are they looking at to kind of help fill the gap currently? Yeah, I think there's a few different ways. Uh, some of them are just doubling down on email, which is ch- which is a challenge because it feels like that's what everybody's doing and there's a lot of noise in that space. There's also, you know, direct mail makes a little bit of a comeback with, you know, gifts and postcards and things of that nature. And then, you know, events are starting to become a thing again where people are meeting in person and it looks like there's a bigger investment in events. And, but a lot of them are looking for help on the advertising side in terms of how how to do that, and not only how to target them, but how to feed that information back to their sales team so they can action on it, because that's the second big challenge with advertising today. But advertising that that hard, right? I, I go on Google, I, I put my credit card in there, I, I pick a keyword, right? I create a landing page, put stuff in there, people click on it, they get to a landing page. Joe, what's so hard about advertising? Yeah. Like, seriously, it's, yeah. it's, it's, that's, it's that easy, right? I go into Facebook, put some budget in, I put an ad in, right? So, so what's so hard about it? Depends on what the goal is, right? You know, if you're looking for form fills, a lot of times those form fills don't come from the people within your buying group you're looking for them to come from. And I think, you know, th- therein lies a little bit of the gap of alignment between marketing and sales. I think I think the outcomes you're looking for with that 
quick campaign through Facebook and LinkedIn is a little different than I think what sales is looking for from their marketing counterparts. Yeah. So I have to say, you guys can't see me, but I'm not shocked by what Joe has just said, right? And, and I will say this to somebody who uh, beats this drum awfully hard all the time. But effectively, Joe, what you're saying is it is straightforward if you have the budget and the digital acumen and some writing skills, maybe a little graphic skill to get a lead from a target account, right? I can get somebody likely to respond. I can put something cool enough out there that we're responding. But I'm not dealing at the end of the day with the buying group in that way. I'm not able to target the buying group. So this is why advertising is hard. How do we use targeted advertising to get to the buying group? Correct. Correct. And how do you do that in an efficient way with your spend? And so there's a bit of a sea change here, right? We went from you know, a little tongue-in-cheek, PPC. We understand PPC is not easy, by the way. Social pay, not easy, right? There's a bunch of digital people listening right now going, guys, come on. <laughs> Don't take my job down to the brass tacks here, folks. We do a lot more, and I understand that. But what are some of the things in the background typically that your clients don't have prepared want to make this transition from that pay-per-click kind of social ad world? What are some of the gaps they need to be thinking about? Is it methodology and understanding the demand unit? Is it technological? Like what are those other gaps out there you'd point to for people to pay attention to? Most of it is internal process, right? It's, you know, now that you can target personas within a buying group, do you have the content to do so, right? What does that look like? Is the marketing team and sales aligned on who those targets should be? And then do you have a good process for actioning on any impression engagement that you get from those primary targets? How is sales going to action on this in a way that is a good prospect experience, but also helps you capture the ROI of what you're doing? And lastly, I think it's just executive alignment on what success looks like with those programs. Because companies do have trouble breaking away from the MQL and form fill methodology and, and KPI setting that they've had in the past and moving more to uh, an idea of influence rather than attribution. And do you feel like that's just habit at the end of the day, Joe? In other words, we're, we just have built our infrastructure around inbound and around MQLs. And then the difficulty of making, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying, Joe, I know I am, but making this bridge to addressing demand units or accounts is it just easy in one place and super hard in the other? I think it is a tough evolution, right? Because once you break down the idea of accounts and, and all of the KPIs that come with it, they're pretty binary and clean. When, when you start to look at demand units and buying groups and influence over attribution, it's a bit more taxing on the rev op side to look at all the pieces that go into an enterprise sales cycle and start to determine you know, amount of influence and and what was the original sort of event that triggered the opportunity? What were the driving forces of the sale? Where did this, you know, where did this revenue come from? Right. So I think, I think it is in part, you know, executives haven't loved advertising in the past because they know they have to do it, but it's hard to measure what the success is from it. And nuances are important here as well, right? Because we've talked about this idea of account based and we're talking about buying group marketing. But there's some real differences based on the average deal size of, say, your product or the complexity of installing the product, the complexity of supporting the product. A lot of things that can change the way that you think about what needs to be in your rev tech stack. But let's maybe take it from the simplest consideration, which is this idea of one to few versus one to many versus one to one. And again, I'm going back to account-based marketing for the simplest way of describing what we're talking about. Are there big differences in terms of what those rev tech stacks need to look like for one to say one versus say one to few, Joe? 
Yeah, I, I think there are, right? And it really comes down to the unit economics of a, of a sales cycle. I think, you know, if, if you start working backwards from what a transaction or a business engagement looks like, what, what is the anatomy of your best customer? What did the customer acquisition cycle look like? And how do we best build a machine to support repeating that and making it predictable? I think you'll see that there is quite a bit of difference between one-to-one and one-to-few just because one-to-one is, is a different animal entirely. Like you need to have the entire company walking, you know, step in step to get that to work correctly. I think at times companies that, you know, they look forward in their growth trajectory and they want to move to enterprise and sort of become more of an enterprise market, move up market. And sometimes they put a lot of that pressure on the commercial organization of all right, commercial team. We need to move up market, but it's really a company motion and everybody needs to, to adapt to how those sales, sales cycles work and what the needs of customers are when, when you work that way. Yeah, Joe, you've rightly identified if you're a one-to-one motion, your average deal size is, well, your intended deal size is likely really large, right? If you're going to pour resources into a single account, whereas when you're getting to one-to-many or maybe even just one-to-few, let's start with one-to-few, you're talking about maybe a slightly lower ASP, but also you're willing to, in some ways, you're playing account arbitrage, right? One-to-few says, if this one account doesn't develop, there are others out there. And one to many, I think, is as close as we can get to kind of the old traditional outbound marketing right now, just much more kind of considered based on, say, industry or persona. And I would tell you, my experience is the first thing people tend to go to is either an advertising platform when they're making this transition, or they tend to go with intent data. In other words, they're they're missing that kind of heuristic, that kind of idea of what should be next. In other words, as I'm campaigning to an account. Am I getting results I want to? Where would you recommend people start between the two? And again, we're assuming those are the two places people start. There are others. What's the most important thing they should grab? Yeah, I think it's a little dependent on what the commercial acquisition motion looks like and then what your business looks like. You know, if you have a heavily outbound-based organization and a very large total addressable market, I think intent is, is a real logical first place to start because it helps you focus, right? If you can call 200,000 manufacturers, which one should I call today? And I think just by knowing that information, you can instantly see some efficiency gains in how you target, who you target, and when you target, right? If you're a little more of a marketing-focused organization, maybe maybe looking at how you advertise can be the place to start. So it's a bit dependent, and, and unfortunately, there isn't an easy answer without diving into the go-to-market strategy a little bit. But you know, improving both next to each other, there's a lot of synergy there. And I think most companies, you know, will start with intent usually and get that infrastructure set up. And then they can build the advertising engine next to it to sort of follow the intent funnel. Right. And, and that's really you know, the connotation here is that we're kind of sort of iterating a rev tech stack. And as you're saying, Joe, and I think laying out rather nicely, it starts with understanding you've got a very different motion, very different motion. And we spent some time talking about one to many, one to few, one-to-one, and that's something certainly to pay attention to. But the idea is first, understand those targets, get organized around that, understand you're building a new motion, design the motion, if you will, and then get the organization behind you. And as you're starting that, you're going to recognize what kind of technology to start with. And Joe, you're saying typically intent data is the right place to start. Advertising platforms should follow, but there's a bigger universe of advertising platforms out there. We just described a huge industry but in one moment. Kind of break that down for us as well, Joe. You're in the guts of this. You're the CRO of Influ2. 
Give us part of that landscape for those advertising platforms. Are there categories or there ways to kind of rationalizing everything that's out there for everybody? Yeah, I think there's advertising optimization platforms. Those are the ones that just help you manage your spend and, and you know, your channels, right? And create more efficiency for where your ads are going. There's the advertising platforms that are built sort of within some of these ABM teams that are trying to help you change your advertising campaigns based off the intent and target these accounts within your intent funnel. Then, you know, there, there's organizations like, like Influtu that are more hyper-targeting advertising platforms. And it's, you know, we handle the media spend on the channels, but you tell us who you want a can- to see a campaign. We show it to those individuals and then we feedback the impression and engagement data to the person level. Okay. And, and dig a little bit deeper there for me as well, Joe. How are you guys able to create that loop? How does that technology work? Yeah, so there's two pieces to it. We have a data mining team and a sort of data enrichment team that they handle how the advertisements get pushed to the individuals on the target list. And then we have a, a matching algorithm on the back end that takes that anonymized data and then matches it to a person with a predictive model that's extremely accurate. And in what level of sophistication typically are organizations that are adopting your solution? Are they at that kind of crawl stage? My sense is maybe they're a little more sophisticated than the average bear and that they're recognizing their inability through advertising platforms to target those, those buying groups. Is that a fair assessment, Joe? Yeah, I think the, the companies we see have the most success are ones that have a very clear ideal customer profile and a very clear target persona list. Right. We can help them optimize the messaging for those personas. If you, if you have the messaging for those, it's great. I think, you know, I've always suggested this, this creates more alignment with sales development too, is, you know, hop into your sales development outreach or sales loft instance, because typically they've already, you know, optimized their sequences by persona. So you can, you can borrow some messaging there. If you're looking for persona based messaging that works, that has, you know, data supporting it. But from that standpoint, I think those are the two big pieces in place. And then just an outbound motion. The companies that struggle are the ones that, that are really still trying to find their ICP and still trying to find who their targets are and why those targets matter to them. Okay. Well, Joe, I have to tell you, I've learned a lot today. I really appreciate your being on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Joe McNeil, Chief Revenue Officer at Influ2 for joining us in part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow. Joe and I are going to talk about improving customer experience through sales and marketing alignment. If you can't wait until our next episode, would like to learn more about Joe, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his company website at influ2.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, shame on you. Head over to revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share the Revenue Generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show, of course. You can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate if you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed. We're going to publish an episode every day during the work week, so hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. And we'll be back in your feed the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. 